The Rainmaker Evolution to increase freedom, create momentum, and embrace simplicity in your financial services practice. You're listening to the Rainmaker Evolution podcast with Joel Johnson, certified financial planner, co-founder of Johnson Brunetti, author of The Money Map, and leader of the Rainmaker Evolution Mastermind Group. And now, here's Joel. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another Rainmaker Evolution podcast. Uh, we continue in our series here with, uh, with guests. And um, I've got great feedback on this series so far. A lot of you are getting a ton out of it um, as far as uh, the guests that we've had. And uh, I think it's very instructive. I've certainly picked up some great ideas. And, you know, keep in mind, these are folks that are in our group um, that I admire, that I think have a lot to offer um, from a business structure standpoint, from a sales standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, and certainly from a mindset standpoint. Before we start today, I want to do our typical um, compliance announcement, which is don't be a knucklehead. Uh, Please do not go out there and... uh, use things from a marketing and from a sales standpoint that you haven't had a conversation with or run by your compliance people, whoever they may be. Um, What works for myself or what I am allowed to do, what our guest is allowed to do, I promise you both of us have consulted all of our compliance people and gotten approval on those things. Uh, You may or may not be able to do some of those things. So uh, let's not get each other in trouble. And I, nor the guest, nor Advisors Excel will be liable um, for you going out there and assuming that something is okay for you to do. With that said, um, I want to welcome my good friend, somebody I've gotten to know a little bit over the last year and that I certainly admire, uh, Mark Lloyd. Mark hails from the Atlanta area, and I'm just so excited to have him on our podcast today. Uh, one of the things I like about Mark is that he is an implementer. He goes back and he implements things, and he's he's a first-class operator, and he's uh, doing all kinds of different marketing things and trying this and trying that. And we've had conversations over the last year while he's been in Rainmaker Revolution about some of the challenges that he's been through and uh, also shared some victories. So, uh, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. What a great year uh, being part of Rainmaker Evolution and just implementing, like you said, some of those changes that we did. I've just seen it uh, just produce huge dividends for us as a firm. Well, thanks, Mark. So let's start with this question that I've been asking everybody that's a guest, which is who is Mark Lloyd? Uh, and you don't already know that answer yet. <laughs> well, I do, but I don't know if everybody does, and not not everybody. By the way, by the way, before I forget, thank you for the journey in Salt Lake. Uh, it was Salt Lake, right? Yes, absolutely. I do so much traveling; I it mushes together. But thank you for for the journey. I tell you, I, and I was saying this, you know, when I talked to Matt uh, Matt Dickin and in his journey, you know, there are some journeys I go to, and I pick up one or two things here and there, and, and there are others where I go to, and I see somebody up on stage, and there's a saying that I picked up in the music business, which was the real deal. And you just see somebody and you see the difference between the real deal and somebody that might be good and talented, but just not quite a superstar. And, and the, you know, you were the real deal. And, and I picked up some real great stuff at that journey. And I know you helped a ton of people. So thank you for well, that. But And you told a little bit of your story. Yeah. You yeah. told a little bit of your story at that journey. But um, for those of us that might not have been there or we'd like a reminder on this podcast, who is Mark Lloyd? Well, I'm 54 years old. I'm a, f- a father of five kids, I'm married with Michelle for 26 years. I've got six grandchildren. They all live local. We're a very close-knit family. My other passion, other than doing what we do here for our clients, 
uh, is to, uh, I'm a musician. I play keyboards and drums, and I love to play at my church. Um, I'm in their praise band. I actually have the opportunity to kind of be at a decent-sized church here, a pretty good-sized church in the Atlanta area, uh, and I play uh, keyboards for the former guitar player of Casting Crowns. So uh, it allows me to uh, fulfill a passion of still serving our Lord and Savior, but at the same time uh, enjoy something I've been enjoying and been doing since I was a, a toddler, basically. Awesome. Awesome. So, Mark, take us back five years and tell us what your business looked like five years ago. Okay. So five years ago, I was with another FMO, uh, and um, I, was, I, had, I had built my practice, you know, pretty good size, but it was basically working with estate planning prospects. I did not have any kind of A, B, and C clients. I didn't break anything down. I had no systems in place. I call it run, rabbit, run. We were just going out and just seeing as many people as we could see. I would make house calls. I would have them come to my office. Office-wise, I had two, uh, five years ago, I had two other advisors with me, associate advisors. We were just, we had been into the AUM for a couple years by that point. Um, so we were st- trying to build an AUM practice in 2012. I moved over to Advisors Excel, and that's where my life changed because now I had a system and I had direction. And through the help of Jenna Rainey and my marketer, Sean Sparks, we were, to, we were able to put a plan together and then the journeys and World Series of Sales. And now the, the Rainmaker Revolution and the different small groups, that's just putting us on what I call a fast track. We had about $20 million uh, AUM. I was doing about 13 to $14 million in annuities, most of them being Bs and Cs. And, um, and um, I did most of the sales, and my two associate advisors did more support and some of the sales. So about $20 million you had in AUM. You were doing about 13 to $14 million in annuity production. Per year, yeah. And, and what do you mean by B's and C's? Were you doing Mostly VAs B and or? C clients, small clients. Oh, 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 B and C clients. clients. I'm sorry. Clients that okay. had under like $200,000 total assets. Got it. You know, clients okay. that had under 100000 Like we had fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 clients. Sure. And, and, and I didn't really, you know, every once in a while we would get an A client, you know, 500000 plus. But a lot of them were a lot of small, high transactional, uh, you know, we were a high transactional office with a lot of different clients. We have now over 1,300 clients. We're, about, we're, we're pushing 1,400 clients right now. So from then to now, you've got 1,400 clients. What's your AUM now compared to $20 million five years ago? We just passed $80 million. Awesome. AUM. Awesome. And we just had a record-breaking year. The most business we've ever had in a year was this year. Last year, we did $44 million in 2014. My goal, starting 2015, was a $1 million a week, $52 million. And then as we started going through Rainmaker Evolution, I, I did a stretch goal of $58 million, or $59 million, hoping to get to 59 by the end of the year. And when it was all the dust settled on December 31st, we finished up at $70,326,921. That, that is awesome. That's fantastic. So total assets brought in seventy million bucks, mm-hmm. and uh, that's and the great. split ended up being about thirty-two million in annuities. Okay, uh, three hundred thousand of target life. Um, so times ten, three million there, 
And then the rest of it was AUM split up with a, different, a couple different platforms. A couple different platforms, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I know you guys are kind of using this approach where you have the annuity for safety. You've got mm-hmm. two different styles of AUM. You've got a more smart beta style. I can see DFA funds because we're going to start using them. For uh-huh. those of you that know what that means, great. For those of you that don't, that's okay. And then you've got a, a piece of the money management that goes into an active management style. Uh, correct. That, that's, that's correct, right? Okay, more income-driven, more interest in dividends. More interest in dividends, income-driven. Fantastic. So nice layering there. And so five years ago, what did your staff look like? You said you had two additional or two or three advisors working I with had a, you. I had two associate advisors, but other than that, we had a staff of four. Okay. And, uh, you know, a receptionist, uh, a tele, you know, a appointment setter slash customer service, uh, and then eventually I hired another um, customer service person and let the appointment setter be a full-time appointment setter. Now we are up to 12 employees in four years. Great. Um, and then we have four advisors now. And we have branched out last year, thanks to, again, Raymaker Evolution kind of giving us the vision of another satellite office and the two-year plan going forward is a third satellite office coming down the road. A little bit more challenging in the Atlanta area because a satellite office that's 20 miles away in rush hour traffic takes an hour and 30 to get there. Yeah, we're going through that right now. My next two offices we're going to open up are, are not that far away, but when you get down on the 95 corridor that heads into New York City from Connecticut, it can take mm-hmm. an enormous amount of time to go 20 miles. And so uh, it's going to be challenging. Our, our other four satellite offices are within a half hour quick drive of the of the core office where all the staff is. And so it's no big deal, but these other offices will be challenging. And, and uh, let me come back to that. I want to talk about the philosophy of satellite offices because I think that'll be helpful for a lot of folks. Um, but be- before I do that, tell me about what you think the main factors contributing to your success over the last five years? Because you've basically, I mean, you've four times your AUM in five years. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've, you know, grown tremendously four times your staff. Your annuity business is way up. Um, you've done a great job, obviously, growing. What do you think are the main factors contributing to that growth? Okay, number one is multiple marketing funnels, not relying on one marketing strategy to try to generate leads. I can, I can say that I can turn the hose on and get as many leads as I want to in this area. Now, it has nothing to do with Atlanta. Atlanta is so competitive. You know what Atlanta is all about. You've been down here before, Joel. You know what it's all about. Mm-hmm. It's very competitive. There's financial advisors on every street corner. And there's even some high-powered, big-time producers that produce on a national level right here in Atlanta as well. Yeah, so, I, know, I know one of them very well. I texted him last week. <laughs> there you go. So you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. That's my competition. So it's a very competitive market. But we've, we've decided years ago that it's, that it's very important that we have different marketing funnels so that we can try to capture people that just would not come to a dinner seminar, let's say, say as an example. I've been doing din- dinner seminar. I've been doing seminars, educational seminars, since 1996. But I didn't start doing dinner seminars until 2012. But prior to that, it was all about education. I bashed at dinner seminars. So I started doing dinner seminars in 2012. But prior to that, I had spent time building a brand. Several years before that, I was working with a, um, a, uh, a PR firm, and I was getting on local television um, you know, to be on the morning show. I was getting interviews with Fox Business. I was getting into you know, magazines. 
Uh, Wall Street Journal did a, uh, uh, interviewed me for a very big article on buckets of money, which worked out great because that's our philosophy that we use. So the Wall Street Journal had us in there. And we were able to, to use that branding to build a brand here in Atlanta so that when we do advertise for dinner seminars, we do have a packed house. That's great. And I can basically turn it off and on. Now, the other thing that I did was, is I said, I had to have a presence on radio. But when I started on radio, I was looking for the cheapest station. Uh, you know, all I cared about was saying that I had a radio show. I wasn't really expecting to get much out of it other than the press, the publicity of it. And if I had one or two calls a year, a year, get this, a year, and, and generate enough business to break even, then it was a win. And then when I came over to Advisors Excel and saw how radio was really supposed to be done, and th that's when I started to make money on it. And my return on investment has been to, you know, three to four hundred percent per year since then. So now it's a viable marketing funnel. And I'm, I'm telling you what, it has grown. Uh, we, we did 104 shows last year. Our goal was to do 52 more, get on another station and, and, uh, and get up to 156 this year, uh, worth of shows. And we're generating a lot of leads off of that, but I think it's because it takes time to build a tribe, to build a following. And it's so cool when they come in, like I had a couple came in yesterday, and they said, I've been listening to you a long time. I go out and jog every, every Saturday morning and every Sunday morning. I go out and jog, and you're on the radio. And uh, I've learned so much from you. I uh, said, so I hope I'm shedding some pounds for you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, these people are coming in, and they're really excited about the opportunity to meet us. Now, that's, that's the you know, best qualified lead you could have as far as I'm concerned. That's great. So you said one of the keys to the success was multiple marketing funnels, and it sounds like mm -hmm. you're doing dinner seminars, educational radio. seminars in your office, and radio. Yeah, it, so in 2012... I uh, was able to move next door to a building that came available, uh, 4,200 square feet. Uh, it was during the financial crisis, um, after, or after, right after the financial crisis. Uh, it was a contractor, a general contractor, and he just could not hang on anymore, and he let the building go. So I got it for a song, basically. And I bought the building and remodeled it. My dream was taking after uh, Gene Ann Durrell down in uh, Florida, having educational events, having seminars on site doesn't mean we don't go out to the dinner seminars, but we still do seminars on site. So when a prospect comes into my office and they see how it's decorated, and, you know, I learned that through journeys, through the many journeys, and, we, and, and they get a tour of the building, they're seeing a loop running in the lobby of my appearances on local Fox 5 radio, or TV, Channel 2 TV, Fox Business, they're seeing a loop of me in the media. They go to the restroom, they're hearing the Financial Symphony radio show in the restroom, piped in the restroom while they're, while, while they're there. Then they go to, and they get a tour of the, of the learning center. And the learning center is about 2,000 square feet, and I hold monthly educational classes in there, and it serves a couple purposes. Purpose number one, clients who are getting a little bit uneasy about the market about, you know, what are you doing for me? What's, what's going on? You know, we want a state of the union. They'll come in monthly, and they can listen to what's going on, and we talk to them in, in a group setting. I feed them, you know, and, uh, and I share with them what's going on in the markets, and then we normally have a, you know, a planning tip. It might be on taxes. It might be on the power of rebalancing. To, uh, we're doing one in a couple days, especially with all the volatility in the market right now. We've got about 60 people reserved for that one. 
and it's all going to be on why it was important to ha- not have all of your money in one basket, but to have three different baskets of money, some that's protected, some that's long-term growth, and it's okay for it to go down because we're aggressively rebalancing that model and we're buying it while it's on sale, and then a middle one to produce interest and dividends, another third bucket to produce interest and dividends, so that you don't have to sell any shares of any type of funds to generate your monthly cash flow. And by showing them the reason why we do what we do, that just reinforces the decision to come to me in the first place. Now, mingled in there are going to be referrals from those clients because they all want to be a VIP ambassador and come to some of our special VIP ambassador events that we have during the year. And then also some of our radio listening audience who may be kicking the tires because they've never been to one of my dinner seminars before. So now they get to see me interact with my clients. And when someone says, can you give me a referral? Sorry, Jack, I can't give you a referral, but you're more than welcome to come in and, and you'll be sitting next to someone who's one of my clients. Just ask them how they feel. So that's Mark, so, being fully so, transparent. So you're, um, so a room of 60 packed mostly with clients, some people that your clients have brought with them, mm-hmm. and some folks that might have been listening to your radio or come to a dinner seminar that have not become clients. Because you're still doing dinner seminars, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So so now, how do you publicize these educational in-office events, in-house events, to non-clients? To non-clients, it would be through the radio program when okay. we do our local segments here. And we also do um, – we have a monthly newsletter. So if anybody has ever – attended one of my seminars dating back to the mid-90s until now, I never took them off the list unless they wanted to be off the list. So I'm like the Baptist Church. Once a member on my list, you're always on the list. So, <laughs> so there's, over 3, <laughs> there's over 3,000 mailers going out promoting these educational classes. So, you know, so we'll pick up some people that kind of fell off by the wayside. Timing just wasn't right. I didn't burn any bridges. I didn't make any enemies. Timing just wasn't right. There's still a prospect, and then sometimes they come back around. Great. So other than multiple marketing funnels, and that was, wow, there were a lot of great, great ideas and, and structures in there. But other than the marketing, multiple marketing funnels, what other factors contributed to the phenomenal success you've had? Staffing properly. Let me, let me just share that I literally stink at trying to be a visionary. I'm always having to hire from a reactionary standpoint where I'm hiring behind. We've got, we're overwhelmed, there's mistakes, and it's not working right, and we're always having to play catch-up or somebody's left and I'm not properly staffed. And it's, it, I, can't, I can't get a figure. I can't get a handle on it. I can't imagine the kind of growth we had. I can't imagine it. So this year... Um, I basically, you know, uh, at the end of Rainmaker Evolution, you know, we put down our 2016, you know, business plan. And I was just reviewing it before our webinar. I'm like, dang, I've already, I already hit last year what I planned on doing in um, annuities uh, and, uh, and my revenue that I had anticipated earning. I already hit it, and we did it in 2015, so I'm kind of still lagging. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Hmm. So, you know, by having a plan in place, uh, and now, now I am I'm, I'm going into this uh, a little nervous 
because this is all about full speed, all full, full speed ahead, all growth. Because um, I did, you know, because the decision had to be made: do I want to be a lifestyle practice, you know, qualified, pre-qualified, 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 and just have select clients and just say, no, you're not a fit, blah blah blah, or do I want to use the philosophy, know where where our heart is, and this is where our heart is. We really want to help anybody, regardless of the size of the case, that wants help. No discrimination here. So I had a gentleman who came in, was a guest at a dinner seminar, and he was poor. Poor. He's really poor. He says, Mark, I'm so far behind. I'm 56 years old. I'm so far behind. I've got to start saving. Well, we've got a platform we can put him with where he can start saving by the month. And I'm going to move him over to one of my associate advisors, and I'm going to help him. Now, is it cost prohibitive to do that? Absolutely. But I feel like my mission is is to be authentic. And that is, if we're going to help people, and that's where our direction is, that's where our goals are, to help people, that's our mission, then we've got to be able to be willing to help anybody, as long as they're not rude and, you know, you know someone who you not, would not want to have that doesn't appeal to you. I love that. That's the same philosophy we have here. and. You know, sometimes we forget it when we're busy or, or harried or, you know, there's 20 things on the plate to do today and, and um, we know we're only going to get 10 done and that certain person calls in that, that maybe doesn't have much money. But, uh, but we quickly remember, we quickly remember that, hey, you know, but for the grace of God, you know, I could be that same person that's got $70,000 of credit card debt at age 55 and is barely hanging on to his job and, you know, maybe divorced and everything else. So, um so, yeah, you'll be uh, rewarded I, in the long run. Yeah, it, and it exactly. could be that person right there refer someone that ends up being a pretty good client of yours, you know? And, and we have had that happen so many times, I can't even count. So many times that, uh, you know, the person that we've treated well um, has has brought along somebody else that's an A client, you know, million, million five type of client. So that's great. So multiple marketing funnels, staffing properly, and then, of course, we're picking up, and I, and I hope those of you that are listening – are picking up on Mark's philosophy, you know, his really um, unselfish, open, authentic, um, and the way he talks about, you know, the weakness of, of not being able to have the vision and, and so on. Uh, you know, Mark is just really an open person, and and you pick that up when you have a one-on-one conversation. So these are all secret. You know, there are no mistakes of why somebody is doing 10 times the business of somebody else. And all we have to do is start getting to know those people that are really doing well and you begin to see patterns, and I think we're seeing one here coming through on, on the podcast. So, so Mark, your, the structure of your firm now, mm-hmm. um, I think you said you said you had 12 employees. Are right. you divided up, like, from marketing and, and we are. Uh, new business? We sure are. Tell us about I, sort of the divisions there. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm, a, I'm a recovering control freak. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm a rec- I'm, just to say the word control freak. I'm choking up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a recovering control freak. I had to have my hand in everything, so I literally had to turn over the reins of the operation to someone that I trusted, um, and my operations manager Heidi, and she really is passionate about success of this firm. And she knows because of where our heart's at that, that, we're, that we are authentic and that we're doing the right things and for our clients. And she, and she just really pushes us. She pushes everybody here. So she kind of runs the office. Um, she has a, a right-hand person that kind of helps with the appointment setting. So we have two appointment setters now. Um, and, and, and one appointment setter does do some of the customer service. It's kind of a slash customer service. But we have 
other people. But Mark, Mark let me, let me, yeah. I apologize, but let me just make sure we're clear here. So Heidi is your operations manager. She's sort of yes. the general manager of the office. Does she do the appointment appointments? Too. She does appointment setting too. She, okay, so she does appointment setting along with her right hand person does appointments. Right, setting. Teresa. And then so you've Teresa got somebody that's sort of running the office, also controlling the flow mm-hmm. of the appointments, which I, I like that idea. That's interesting. Yeah, and then we also have uh, a full time um, processor. My son Mark Jr. came out of the Air Force. Every I dotted, every T crossed. Everything has to be neat and organized, perfect. Colby, Colby, you know, said that was perfect for him. Perfect. So we are now, uh, he does all of my paperwork, make sure everything's perfect as far as the AUM goes and the um, uh, insurance. Uh, we're, running, uh, we're running a lot of paper through here right now, so he does, he, he's, he's pretty busy. My two associate advisors have multiple responsibilities, and this is something that I picked up on Rainmaker Revolution, that even though they're an advisor, they still have another job. They still have something that they have to give back to the firm. So my certified financial planner does take care of answering phone calls of clients calling in uh, when it comes to the investing side, and he so he'll be in the office a lot. Um, last year we used him very sparingly out in the field uh, or out you know running appointments. I say the field when I say you know here in the office or in our satellite office. He ran about thirty appointments. He you know he did not run a lot of appointments last year, uh, just for the fact that I needed him more for doing in service. Um, and you know, customer service, answering questions about investing, and he also helped with case design. And then I have a full-time um, gentleman who does case design and sits in on all my first appointments. The uh, associate advisors don't have people sitting on their first, but I do. I've gotten to the point now I don't want to do any of first appointments where I'm sitting there taking notes anymore. I'm just talking. Okay. Uh, matter of fact, when we go away to World Series of Sales and other places like that, I have another advisor who does my first, and I pay him a little bit of an extra bonus for everyone who comes back for the second. And, and I just have to say second? that, man, that has worked great. He has really teed them up very well. And when I come in on that second visit, I sit there and review what they talked about, and it's like, it's, it's like I, I was there. I was literally there. So uh, I have that going on, and he's taking smaller cases this year. So we, he came from SunTrust Bank. And then he, he started with me under case design, and I've tran- I'm transitioning him into smaller cases and, and, uh, and then also still teeing up my first appointments when I'm not available or when we get really backed up and stacked up. I'm just, I'm just thinking how the capacity for your um, practice and the appointment flow for prospects of your office can just explode if you don't do first appointments. If he can do first appointments just mm-hmm. as good as, and, and maybe even better because there's this anticipation of seeing the guy at the second appointment. Oh, I get to come and see Mark at the second appointment. If you right. can do a great job of that, just think about the time it'll free up. Now, folks, be careful. I'm not telling you everybody should do this. I just, I love talking about these kind of things because it just gets us thinking about how can we help more people? Um, and then the, the folks that he would do a first appointment with that aren't um, maybe don't have the assets of somebody that you should be spending time with, Mark. He can just take that second appointment himself. I, I love That's that. That's exactly idea. what we're doing. You know, I still run some first because I enjoy doing it. Um, there's some things I don't enjoy. Like, like I, I loved at Raymaker Revolution where we could write down things that we refuse to do from here on out. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, doing paperwork. I hate paperwork. I'm getting to the point now, though, Joel, where I really don't enjoy going to the satellite offices. So that yeah. could very easily be put on that list for 2016 before it's over with. Interesting. But that's okay. 
Interesting. As long as we're hitting our goals and I can continue to do what I'm doing here at the home office, that's great. Right. So I interrupted you a little bit on the firm structure there. So, so you were describing sort of who's selling. You've got the associate advisor that tees you up. You've got another person that's an associate advisor that sort of helps talk to clients so you don't mm-hmm. have to. Um, any other? So that's I have two. I have a director of first impressions. That would be the okay. receptionist at the home office, and then I also have one at our satellite office. Now, interestingly, um, the satellite office has to be tweaked this year. Uh, we decided to use one of the Regis sites just to see what kind of traction we would get at that satellite office. And uh, man, uh, the radio show is killing it. And um, I found where we had just as many appointments at the satellite office as we do at our home office in Swanee. So I actually had to now expand and get two Regis offices just because we're double and triple booked. And even though they have like a conference room you can rent on the fly, sometimes they're not available, so that, that creates a problem. And I just have this, 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 this problem in my head of people coming to a Regis office. I know now after doing this for about 15 months, we need to have a permanent office in that area. Now, I won't probably buy a building like I did here. I bought this one, but I won't buy down there. I don't like, like you, I do not want to be in the landlord business. But at the end of the day, uh, i got to find something more permanent that, that will be decorated exactly like I have the, the home office here. Um, and then, again, do the same thing and just keep moving west. We have a big enough geographical, geographical area here where I can see the vision now of just expanding as we move west. And so so you're have, in a big you're in a big market. You're in Atlanta. Swanee yeah. is northeast up past northeast. Alpharetta, right? Yeah, right. And, and so where is that other office? It is right there at the perimeter of of a uh, uh, 400 and 285, which is coming south of Alpharetta and just north of Atlanta. So we will go a little bit more west into Cobb County in the Marietta area up in that way. Uh, that'll be the next step. So, so are you outside the beltway that goes around Atlanta yes. there? Or are you, yeah, are you getting inside like Buckhead Galleria area? I, yeah, I have, you know, I, 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 I thought about it, but I can, I can get it done by just being on that beltway where you can pop okay. in and pop off. Sure. So, so will you staff it, that office, Mark? When, when, that's what I'm saying. We have, a, we, have a, 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 we have a receptionist in that Regis office. It happens to be my daughter's. We are a family, family operation. So my daughter works there part-time when we have appointments there, and then she works at the home office here in Swanee tracking open opportunities when, um, and, and keeping, our, keeping our spreadsheets together when she's uh, not, at the, not, at the, not being a receptionist down there at the satellite office. So, yeah. so we have that staff down there when someone comes in. I just don't want to rely I, on Regis people. I asked that question because I think this will be instructive for people. We've never done a Regis office, but we will yeah. have offices. So we have four satellite offices. We have one satellite office where we're actually in a law firm, and it looks like it's our company. We have our signs all over the place. The receptionist greets people. She knows when somebody's coming in for an appointment. So it really looks like our office and our staff. They know the lawyers are in there too, but it has a different feel. Then we have these other offices that are unstaffed. So it's only the advisor meeting with a client there. They're nice offices. They're not, you know, class A office space, but they're nice offices, but there's no staff there. And I just did a study of the effectiveness of the appointments, and there's so many variables here. We have to be careful of making assumptions, but but there is no question that the closing ratios, the people that show up for their first appointments at those satellite offices that are unstaffed and become clients is way, way lower 
than the the two offices that are staffed and and I'm really taking a hard look at that and saying how do I put a staff person in a satellite office that I might only have somebody in you know three times on a Wednesday and then twice on a Friday and then they're not there for the rest of the week but I think there's a lot of benefit of having a staffed person there and I'm not I'm not quite sure how to do that except maybe pay somebody to not work that much because with the way we run our practice here is you know we could be booking today for a Monday um, in a satellite office and we didn't know we were going to be booking today for that satellite office so I'm not quite sure how to pull that off but there is definitely a correlation mm-hmm. between having an office that looks very temporary that's dark unless the advisor's there with the client and there's no other staff there and having something that looks like sort of vibrant staffed up business there's no doubt and that's the one reason why I decided that you know it was important as we were growing here in this building that I met in Swanee that I, I I I went up there and visited your office and I'm seeing you know uh, uh, you know all of the cubicles I'm like you know you've got you got plenty of space to put your you know your support staff and I've got this wide open classroom I'm like man I'm half tempted to put you know, make it a cubicle you know farm basically but I decided not to do that because I really think the image of a prospect walking into my office and seeing a classroom seeing the radio booth where the show is recorded every Friday morning and the visual of that and, and, and differentiating myself from my competition down the street is priceless when they come into that conference room and meet me for the first time. So what we did was we just took our office space and we just put cubicles inside the offices. And now we've been able to double up uh, staff on each office. But we will grow out of this building. So that's where I'm thinking that these other offices, I'll just have some people work there and they'll have, they'll work, you know, back and forth with Heidi on different things that they have to do. It might be updating Salesforce. It might be, you know, tracking the open opportunities. It may be, you know, maybe setting appointments. That all could be done at a satellite office where they don't have to necessarily be right here under our, you know, under, you know, you know uh, every day, you know, Monday through Friday. Yeah, well, now we're realizing that, you know, like, for instance, we just, the custodian we use for our managed money, they've gone to eDocus. I mean, there's so much that can be done from a satellite office now that uh, I guess I'm just nervous about not having somebody here. But that's just, uh, these are good problems to have, Mark, right, when you're opening yes, new absolutely. offices and you're wondering whether to staff them or not. <laughs> so, you know, we have, the, we have the receptionist. We also have two people now on on processing of paperwork and miscellaneous. And then, like I said earlier, I have, my, my advisors all have other jobs. <clears throat> so... You know, my CFP does customer service. My um, my other advisor, Drew, who's a full-time advisor, he does my uh, – right now he's doing my compliance. Uh, we did um, a, um, a mock audit this past year. Worked out great. Uh, thanks to you, you referred me to a firm, and they did a fantastic job, and I, we learned some things. Tweak a few things here and there, but wasn't – but we – pleasantly surprised we were we were we were very happy with the results of that but i love knowing that we're 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 doing everything we can to make sure the i's are dotted and the t's are crossed um so he takes care of my compliance but he also you know takes care of some of the uh the the, uh some of the investing part of it on the um using the global platform so he's he's in direct communication with global what to invest when to invest it and that type of thing so we're, we're we're wearing many different hats i can see as I can see because of your office and your office structure what the future is going to look like and how many more positions we're going to have to staff as we get bigger, as we grow. And I love the benchmark P&L metrics ratios that you gave us 
in Rainmaker Revolution. And what I do is I have Michelle, who's my wife, and she's also, we call her the CSO, the Chief Spending Officer. And, uh, you know, I, I don't have her on salary, but I pay her in shoes and purses. That's the kind of standing joke around here. But, Perfect. <laughs> but There's she, no FICA on shoes and purses. <laughs> yeah, but they're Louis Vuittons. They're not cheap. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the P&L metrics benchmark sheet that you gave us, she updates that for me every month to see where we are. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that helped. And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, if you're in the first year group uh, and just starting out with Rainmaker, um, you know we're kind of an open book here at Johnson Brunetti, and we share all these numbers with you guys so that you can, you know, not to tell you our way is the only way to do it, but we've signed so many times that you know guys that are going real fast like Marcus, you know, they just haven't really sat back and said, well, what are the metrics that we should use? You know, how much are we spending on marketing versus employee benefits versus rent and so on and so forth and i've even learned some things somebody's called me um a while back and said wow joe why are you spending so much money on this and it, it, it got me to go back and re-examine are we doing the right thing so it's always good to look at metrics and numbers and financials and so on i remember reading a book of sam walton when he was building walmart and uh you know nobody was paying any attention to him because he had these stores around the south you know 20 or 30 or 40 stores but they were all in these hick towns and he'd come up to New York or Chicago where the real retailers were based, and he'd get into these meetings and just eat up the numbers that these retailers were willing to share with this young hick from the South that didn't know anything because he was just a nice guy, and he would just absorb Sears and and Macy's and Bloomy. I don't know if it was Macy's back then, but, you know, Sears and Montgomery Wards and just absorb the numbers of those retailers, all the metrics on what they were spending where and the ratios and profit ratios and so on. We can learn so much by paying attention to that stuff. It's not as exciting for some of us. You know, we want to get on to the next meeting and and, uh, get the next sale, but these are the things that switch you over from just a salesperson, a commissioned salesperson that might be just working for yourself, but you're still just a commissioned salesperson to a, a true business owner that and can, can create amazing And can I add to that, Joel, that Please. it helps with the fear of being an entrepreneur and do I want to grow or do I not want to grow? Because the fear is the unknown. What's it going to look like? You know, How much is it going to cost me? What's the risk I'm doing financially? But if you're staying within these metrics, then you know you're on the right path and you're on the right track for growth so that you can duplicate what we're doing, and, and we could get to the level of what you're doing down the road. Uh, that gives us hope, you know, for somebody who is not, I'm not a numbers guy. I really, I'm not. I, you know, um, uh, I'm the opposite. I would rather just be talking and educating and marketing and, and, and helping clients. And if I could just do that and stay away from all the rest of the stuff, we're going we're gonna to do more business than, than, than we ever would, could imagine. But I do have to track where we are with our expenses as well, and this is just a a great tool. So, Mark, take us back to when you started in the business. And actually, let's do this a different way. If you if you could go back and talk to the Mark Lloyd (laughs) that on his first day you just passed your seven or sixty three or whatever it was, and your and your insurance. Well, I just passed my insurance license. You passed your insurance license. Because I started out in the Medicare supplement business, knocking on doors. Perfect. Okay, so if you could go back and talk to that Mark Lloyd today, what advice would you give him? To uh, be willing to change and not to uh, not to try to be a control freak. Be willing to delegate. Be willing to um, delegate. You know the the mundane things that don't generate revenue 
such as doing your own paperwork, doing your own 10% penalty-free withdrawals, doing um, you know, be more of a visionary, try to try to modify what you're doing. So, because you, 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 when you, you when you introduced me on the call, uh, someone taking all these ideas. Well, the reason why is because I'm I'm so far behind. I just finished my 25th year in business. You know, why did it take me so long to quit doing the same thing over and over and over again and be willing to try new stuff? Why did, why did I stay with one marketing firm for 19 years, 18 years, and then, have, you know, and then finally make a change when I finally said to myself, enough's enough, I'm stagnant? Because I'm, a slow, I'm slow to should move. I answer, should I answer that question, why? Yeah. Because you're a keyboard player. <laughs> What's that got to do with a price egg? <laughs> see, if you were if you were a guitar player, you'd have absolutely no structure in your life whatsoever. You'd be the exact opposite end of the spectrum. I hear you. Sorry. So anyway, anyway. Yeah. So, so back in those days, it was really just sun up to sundown. Love the summertime because you, the, day, the days were longer. We were told by the company I worked for, which was owned by Life of Georgia, ING bought them, that, you know, you don't call the leads in advance. You knock on their door and say, hi, I'm Mark Lloyd from blah, blah, blah. I'm here to talk about the changes in Medicare. Can I have a few minutes of your time, and I can go over those with you while I'm here? And you, and you, we get ten, you get out of ten leads, you get seven doors slammed in your face. You get into three houses, and the goal was close one out of three. So it was a high pressure sale. You don't take no for an answer, four or five no's, uh, and then finally on the sixth one, they give in and they take it. And then you're sitting there worried to death: is it going to be a not taken? And that was life. <laughs> but you know what? You, you know what though? There is so much value in having to do that. And I talk oh, to yeah. my, my my associate advisors and I tell them, "You guys have no idea. That's you have right. no idea." And I was I was in a um I, I'm in a coaching group, an outside coaching group in a, in a different industry, a bunch of direct marketers. And John Paul DeGiorio, the the guy that now owns Patron Vodka and and started uh, uh, Paul Mitchell, the 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 uh, shampoo and all that stuff. Um, you know, he talks about when they started that business and he was living in his car, going door to door to salon, selling the, the shampoo. And he would sell the shampoo before they had, they had even made it. He took a deposit and they used the deposit to finance it, to go to the factory to make the shampoo and then deliver it within 30 days. And there's so much to be learned, whether you're going door to door selling MedSup or you're working social security leads, direct mail. There's just there's so much we learn when we have to sell to eat. We've paid our dues. We've paid exactly, the dues. exactly. Yeah. So it, it, from that point forward, you know, when I, they, they decided to get out of the business because, it, you know, Medicare supplements weren't profitable for that company. So they, they, they just went ahead and just shut the doors down. And by that time, I'd worked my way up to the state manager of Georgia. I mean, so I was a salary plus bonus employee. And now I'm starting over in 1996 from scratch with no, no, more, no more salary. But I have to say I'm very, very thankful for the opportunity because they gave me a nice severance package. They said I could keep their office, which over in the Galleria area, I could keep their office until the rent was over. They gave me the telephone number that they had for 20 years, and they said here's all the list of the, of the, of the customers in the state of Georgia, and we don't care about the business, do what you need. And so it gave me instant leads to go knock on the door and explain what was happening with the transition and then develop relationships to start a practice. So I went door to door and just uh, literally just reworked that whole block of business. And then that's when I started getting involved with annuities. And the first annuity I ever sold was a Life USA Classic, one by five rule. 
and collected a hundred thousand dollar check and and my hand shook the whole time the whole check the check was in my hand because it was such a big check never used to collecting a hundred thousand dollars at one time I have a client <laughs> I have I have a client listen to this no I have a client that still has that classic product yeah and he, and he has averaged four and a half percent since inception mm-hmm. um, pretty cool stuff you can you can't take your money out in a lump sum but that's that but he doesn't need to so it doesn't matter but wow that's great so so you had you got the hundred thousand dollar check so is that what you did you when the medicare uh business shut down you immediately sort of learned the annuity side of the business learned the annuity side of the business and then started doing estate planning seminars how to protect money from nursing home spend down because i was doing nursing home long-term care coverage so then i would use fixed index annuities in 96 there was only two of them here in the state of georgia life of the southwest and lincoln lincoln benefit and i would use those products to generate more interest to help them pay for their long-term care insurance premium so that they wouldn't have to add as part of their monthly budget, and I would do combination selling of long-term care insurance and, and fixed-index annuities. And I really didn't get into the AUM until 151A, and all that stuff was starting to happen. And I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna gamble. I'm not gonna sit here and talk about, uh, you know, investments and be doing something wrong. So I'm gonna go ahead and get my Series 65, and I started with that in like 08, and um, and and for the purpose of uh, you know, making sure I'm legit and legal. Uh, and at the same time, why not go ahead and try to, you know, take some business there too and build that practice slowly. And I really didn't focus on it. I, and, and my thought was the younger guys here could go after more of the mutual fund business and I would continue doing what I'm doing with insurance and, and annuities. But what happened was that business just took off and I never, no way would expected that. I thought if we had five, ten million dollars worth of AUM, eh, it'd be pretty good. Just use it as a niche, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a niche. It took off, and we found we found where our ratios went from two thirds uh, insurance, one third AUM, and now it's more like a fifty-fifty, or maybe even a forty-five-fifty-five AUM. Yeah, that's great. And you know, Mark, we were talking, we had a conversation um, at one of the Rainmaker groups about your profit margin. You were talking about, boy, I feel like my profit margin has gotten squeezed this year with all this fast growth. But uh, part of that, as I just think here, and people need to hear this, I think this is not for, I'm not telling you something you don't know, but part of that is as we grow that AUM, remember, you don't get paid all, all the money up front. You don't get paid today on the AUM business, but it creates a revenue stream and, and value uh, in your practice. And so sometimes it's, we have to be careful of measuring things too short term. And I, I just thought of that because I know that, that um, you know, some advisors are doing more AUM, significantly more AUM than they are annuity business. And, and um, it, it, man, it's just adding up. It's snowballing. Exactly. I, I, I did some math before our call. And I, I knew what, what I did in revenue last year, in 2014, and I knew what my goal was in 2015, and we surpassed it. We, were on the, we almost hit the 2016 goal in revenue. Revenue. Mm-hmm. It was 135% more revenue this year. We picked up 35% more revenue than what we had last, the year before. Yeah, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. That's exciting. That's huge. And out of the business, like we talked about this because we, were, we had commented at Rainmaker about my return on marketing was astronomical on the dinner seminars, but mm-hmm. I explained that 85% of the business in this firm was written by me, and I didn't have to share that commission. So this year, I dropped. I'm down to 73% of the business was me, 
And I, so that means I was sharing more, and we picked up and did more dinner seminars, so the denominator went higher. We did 30 last year. Uh, so the, the return on marketing is still well over 300%, but it's not those astronomic stratosphere numbers that we had uh, the, the year before. But what's crazy is, is that the, the, the profit margin has increased. So even though I'm paying more, I'm paying more for marketing, I'm paying more for staff salaries, I'm paying more for employee benefits, we started initiating the 2.5% bonus structure that you did, and I'm paying more out in advisor co- compensation because I'm not seeing everybody myself. I saw the third, I saw the third most leads in the firm. Two other advisors had more leads than I had last year. And, but at the end of the day, my profit margin went up. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's it's amazing how it works when we let go. There's that there's that fear of I'm wasting a lead if I give it away. And, and, and that's what I did. I was a control yeah. freak. If it, was, if it was a bigger size case, I had to work it. I had to work it. You tee it up for me. Tee it up for me. You're not going to get the big cases. I have to do the big cases because I don't want to lose it. Don't want to lose it. And then I said to myself, you know, I'm tired. I'm not, I, I was used to working nights. I was used to working on Saturdays. And I'm like, this is for the birds. My colleagues that I've met through Advisors Excel sitting there saying at 5 o'clock they're shutting the door and, and, and living life with their family. What the heck? I, I've been doing this for 25 years. I, didn't have any, I never did that. I was booking seminars on my kids' birthdays by accident. <laughs> That's actually that not over, funny, but that it's, it's, over it's really well. Yeah, I'll bet. Oh my gosh. Well, this so, is. I've had a complete lifestyle change. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and you know what? It, and it'll only get better. It'll only get better to the point where you'll you'll start to. What's happened to me over the last few years is you know there are days when I come in and I literally don't have anything to do. Uh, because we paid our dues, we built the company, it's a self-managing company, and then I get to think, you know, I don't not want to do anything, and so now what I've been doing is I've been writing just three impactful activities I can do each day, and when I do those three things, I have permission to leave, I have permission to read, I have permission to go look at new office space, to do something that's, I'm giving my permission, where if I just, myself permission, if I only accomplish those three impactful things, and one of them, to, like today, I did my three list of three. One of them was doing doing a, a podcast that will benefit other people. And then I have permission to do whatever I want to do. And and sometimes giving yourself permission, at least for me, it was hard because I was used to running so fast for so many years. But it opens up a creativity and a space in your brain that will allow you to, all of a sudden, you're going to be doing new stuff with your marketing team that you have so much more leverage by being less busy. So um, watch out. I mean, it's going to it's it's going to explode for you i bet 2016 will be huge i mean there's going to be I am, a year i am so excited about rainmaker elite because and the reason why i say that is because we have set a goal this year of 77 million dollars <laughs> it's just astronomical so instead of a million dollars a week we're now a million and a half a week is our goal so we're going to do everything we can to get that number you know and, and i know i've already got the already got the the, the, the program i already I already know how to do that. I know what it's going to take to get how many more workshops, how many more radio calls, how many more events, you know, um, uh, educational events here at the office, and then how many, how many more advisors and how much more staff to get to that number. So I'm just excited about it. It's going to be a great year. That's great. So, Mark, as we wrap here, if, let's do the three-year question. We all know this Dan Sullivan three-year question here. Um, and for those of you that are just starting with Rainmaker, get ready. We're going to be doing this question, so you might want to think about it because this really frames the future uh, for us. 
if we were sitting here, Mark, three years from today, so it is January 15th of 2019, and we're looking back over the last three years, what would have to have happened to Mark Lloyd for you to be happy with your progress? Well, I definitely would have trimmed back more mundane activities, and I would basically duplicate and clone what we're doing at these other locations and continue that all throughout the city of Atlanta. So production-wise, who knows what that would look like? I mean, it could be, it's definitely going to be more into your, your, your numbers that you're doing each and every year. Uh, I, I see that. It would have to be four to five offices in the next three years. That, that's, I've actually had to expand this because when we sat down and did this exercise, I think it was in Dallas at the first, one, uh, first uh, Rainmaker Revolution that we did, I'm already surpassing it. I didn't expect that. So this past year, if this was not a fluke and this can be consistently done year in and year out, I've got to up the ante. So we've got to get to the point where we're, we're going to fast track this. So three years from now, something's wrong if I don't have four to five locations and be doing more of, of the type of business that you're doing. So you're the benchmark, and that's what we're trying to do. Well, Mark, thank you so much. You've helped uh, a lot of people by doing this today, and I so much appreciate your time, and uh, I really look forward to a great 2016 with you. And um, is there anything else you want to say before we uh, sign off here? I mean, we're just part of the greatest organization in the world at Advisors XL, and there's so many changes happening this year to help, you know, help you grow your business. Just take the opportunity, embrace it, be willing to try new things, Try it, you know, try it for a while. Don't just, just try it and, and, and quit. You've got to give it long term, but try some new things. And I promise you, if you put passion behind it and you, and you try it, it'll work. Just listen to what everybody else is doing. We're all here to help each other. And, um, and, and this ought to be a great year in 2016. Thanks so much, Mark. And everyone have a great day and a great year.